Well, hey there. Welcome to The Real Podcast, hosted by Jason Kaliba. We think that real people are interesting, not just celebrities and superstars, but also the guy standing in line next to you at the grocery store and the kid beside you in church. We're passionate about sharing the stories and insights of those people, real people, so that you're challenged and maybe even inspired to grow. If you'd like additional resources or more information about our guests, check out our webpage at cochranalliance.com backslash real. So, let's get real. All right, here we go. Last, uh, last summer, I took a sabbatical with my family, and we visited a number of places in Asia, uh, including uh, spending a few weeks at an international church uh, in one of the places that we visited. And I had the most interesting conversation with a couple people who uh, were uh, in the congregation as uh, we visited with people after church. And uh, a couple people who were of Indian background uh, came and told me a little bit of who they were. And I asked the question of how they met. And um, the story they told me blew my North American mind. Uh, they said they met uh, online. And so I had uh, pictures of uh, dating social media apps in North America. And yeah. I began to ask the question of uh, kind of how that worked. And they said, no, no, Jason, you don't understand. We're, we're Indian. So our, okay. our parents met via a dating app oh, online. Yeah. So arrange marriage <laughs> online. So they said our parents were looking for other good families uh, to um, uh, to connect with. They our parents met and decided that we were a good match, and eventually we were introduced to each other, and we began uh, our married life. And so, so uh, be like eHopeForHarmony.com, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and so our conversation today, uh, maybe not so much on dating apps in particular, but. Uh, I'd like to talk uh, with uh, a friend of mine, a guest who has given a decent chunk of his life over the past few years to considering uh, the uh, the rise and impact of social media, not only in our world, but particularly as it impacts Christian people and uh, the church specifically. So I'd like to welcome uh, to the Real Studio today, uh, my friend, uh, Bryce Ashland-Mail. Bryce, welcome here. Hey, thanks. It's good to be here. Um, before I give people your credentials and tell them who you are and what you do, uh, give us a little background about your family uh, and what uh, keeps you busy during the day. Yeah, so I'm married to uh, my, my beautiful wife, Lori. We've been married for uh, 25 years uh, uh, in a couple of uh, weeks here. Wow, um, congratulations. Year anniversary, yeah, thanks. And we have three great kids. Our oldest is in the second year of university, and we have twins that are in grade 12 uh, getting ready to graduate. Wow. Yeah. And uh, what do you do for your day job, Bryce? <clears throat> I'm uh, the lead pastor at Westlife Church Okay, yeah, in uh, Springbank, just outside of Calgary. Okay. So, and I, I know people are thinking, okay, why uh, isn't there anybody else that you could just find another uh, local pastor to talk about <laughs> social media? Um, tell us a little bit more about uh, social media in particular and why uh, it interests you and why you might have something more to say about it than I might. 
Sure. I, I, I would be uh, a local church pastor close to you talking about social media, but actually uh, I do this all over too. So, um, and, and teach on this. So uh, I, I've always been interested in the intersection between uh, faith, uh, culture, technology, and the church uh, in, in one way, shape, or form, and the connections that exist between them. And, and so it's always been a particular interest of mine, which when I was doing uh, kind of more uh, the education side of things, I was trying to reflect on how to like incorporate them in my education. And so uh, when I was looking at what to do after my master's degree, I was looking at uh, doctoral programs and wanted to actually study a little bit of technology um, and how it's impacting church and ministry and faith. And so that was kind of the trajectory I took. So I did my doctoral work, um, particularly in the area of uh, social media and preaching, although uh, that's now expanded to like social media and life. I do parenting seminars for social media and uh, church uh, um, seminars on, on, on faith in a social media world, that type of thing. Hmm. And for some people who are uh, familiar with some evangelical writers on this subject, I know you studied with Dr. Leonard Sweet. Yeah. Um, uh, tell us, just give us the 30-second the soundbite on studying with him uh, and his expertise in thinking about these things. Yeah, so if, you, if, if anyone's familiar with, uh, with, with Len, uh, he writes uh, prolifically about uh, the future of the church, about, uh, about kind of intersections of technology and faith. So that was, that was the impetus to why I wanted to study with him in the program I was in. Uh, but Len's a, a brilliant thinker, a, uh, a trained historian, but a, a, a master massively gifted uh, futurist in terms of thinking about where the church is going mm -hmm. and continually and uh, ongoingly uh, we're discovering like just more and more of what he is predicting to happen has happened. You probably read several of his books mm -hmm. over the time. Like he's a, a best-selling author and a, and, a, and a great person and a good friend. So if you would recommend one Len Sweet book oh. uh, that get someone started, where, where would you recommend someone to read? So it depends on what you wanted to read. If you want to read something uh, about uh, like uh, like a, a evangelism, what does that look like in our world? His book Nudge is brilliant. Um, if you're looking to read something about like you know what does uh, it look like with social media in our world? His his book Viral is is very is a very good and and kind of a, a positive uh, um, um, look at what the impact of social media. What could it do? Um, but honestly, like he anything he writes, I've I've tried to read everything he writes, and he writes lots. Yeah, so he's there's a lots of author. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple books a year usually. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of books. Um, with your doctor of ministry studies uh, and then coming back into a local church context, you yourself uh, felt like it was worthwhile uh, to to put something together uh, in uh, one of your own books that's come out in the past year. So tell us about that book and what someone who would read it can expect to find. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I... I after I moved to when I moved to Calgary, I did some teaching at Ambrose, and I still do uh, teach sessionally at Ambrose University. And uh, I was teaching a class, particularly on social media, and engaging with the with my with my students. And I recognized there was a significant need uh, for helping them, but then just the wider church uh, discover and figure out what does it look like to live in our our social media mm -hmm. world and follow Jesus faithfully in it. And uh, had this idea about the the connection of of uh, social 
social media and the power it gives us, which I will go into later in the podcast, and then the the, the connection of that and, and the life of, of David and King David. And so uh, that was kind of the connection. And then I um, had this idea for a book that would explore that. And so I wrote my uh, recent book, Age of Kings, Pursuing God's Heart in a Social Media World, uh, that tackles the topic of social media, um, overlaying on top of the life of King David in what I think is a creative uh, and evocative way to look at uh, how to engage in social media, um, both in its pot- potentials and its pitfalls uh, for the glory of God and the, uh, and the glory of his mission. Okay. Well, uh, Bryce has been generous enough to bring a couple of copies of Age of Kings into the studio today. So to uh, the worldwide uh, real audience, uh, the first couple folks who would email me, uh, at jason at cochranalliance.com, if you email me, uh, the first couple people to do so and request the book, uh, I'd be happy uh, to pass along a copy to you of uh, Bryce's book that just uh, came out last year in 2019. Yeah. Um, Bryce, I am not a social media expert, and, and to some degree, I feeling my age already in in how the world has transformed, even as I've been in my... To be fair, we're pretty much the same age, so (laughs) we're feeling the same thing. Yeah, but you at least know something. Uh, But I I was doing a little bit of kind of background research just on... Uh, on how the the social media has really uh, taken over the world. Maybe mm-hmm. that sounds a little bit too nefarious. It's maybe not there, but the the spread of social media to uh, with if there are about seven point seven billion people in the world today, uh, at least three point five billion of those are online, mm-hmm. uh, and the top. Uh, five uh, social media platforms, uh, number one being Facebook with uh, almost a third of the world's population, 2.26 billion people using Facebook, Mm -hmm. almost 2 billion using YouTube, Instagram, uh, and WeChat, which is uh, an Asian platform uh, at about a billion users each, uh, followed by Tumblr. And then something new that I I hadn't even heard of until about two weeks ago, a new platform that's, I think, gaining about 20 million users every month is TikTok. TikTok, So I'll have to ask you about TikTok later. Uh, but really, um, just to, to get perspective, in 2008, uh, Facebook, uh, there was about 1.5% of the world's population that was on Facebook to now, uh, it, or at least in, at, at the end of 2018, uh, about one third of the world's population was using this yep. platform to communicate. Uh, and so, um, maybe let me just ask you a simple question first. What are you on Bryce? What, what, uh, social media wise is something that you use and follow as a way of engaging with the world? Sure. So I, uh, I, I show my age on this and, and my peers, because those my peers are on, uh, but I would uh, use uh, Facebook and Twitter. Or, 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 I use Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So Instagram's owned by Facebook, and so uh, those are interconnected. Yeah. I see them as kind of the same, um, just different forms of, of each. And then on Twitter, I, I my, my kids do like Snapchat and TikTok and stuff, um, but it's not really... 
uh, my kind of demographic. So I try to stay up to date on that, but uh, not necessarily active user of, of those platforms. My daughters tell me that Facebook is already for old people. And, and, is and that, I am is that an old person. Well, yeah, so like, that's why I use it. Um, that it is true. I, m most young people would use Instagram or other forms. Um, they may have, much like younger people still use email for certain things, but um, if you want to um, connect, if I want to connect with my kids, emailing them is like the worst way. It's like text or or a direct message in a, in a social media platform. So um, uh, that's just the nature of how things change now, how fast things change. Because you think 10 years ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. Like that's how fast things Social media would changed. be, well, again, I, re reading this article was enlightening that MySpace yeah. really is the groundbreaker uh, yeah. for social media and and Friendster. now it doesn't even exist. Yeah, Friendster, same deal. Mm -hmm. And one of the interesting things about uh, about social media is it's not just social media. It's social media combined with kind of mobile technology. Mm. So like, and I use the term like mobiquity, like the ubiquitous nature of mobile technology that, that young people aren't accessing any of their social medias on their desktop. So when right. Facebook came out, so everyone was using it on their desktop. Now the, the, you know, probably in the last three to five years, the biggest explosion has been all mobile devices and GPS. GPS tracking that uh, enhances social media to where you are in your location. Yes. That we, you, every one of us uses every day mm -hmm. who has a mobile phone to our benefit and probably also to some extent our peril. But that's just the nature of, uh, of the changing forms of technology. Hmm. And uh, what are you using uh, those apps for what, what what is the primary use for you aside from just using them yeah. what, what do you what do you do with them I, I think that I use them for where what they're uh, intended for largely which would be to, to to make connections and interactions with people on um, both people I know and people a little bit on the periphery so you know on Twitter I, I think you know, real, like I think I have close to uh, now like close to 5,000 followers on Twitter like I, I know probably a couple hundred of them personally so it's a chance to interact with them but it's also a chance to like get a, a sense of the world. So like what I what, I'll, what I talk about a little bit in my book is it gives us the power a, a bit to uh, give us a, a large platform to reach our world, all social media does. But I think in the right way, it also allows us to give us a larger platform to hear from a wide variety of people I would never hear from, right? So mm -hmm. I can connect with my friend Johnson who lives in Cameroon. Um, that I went to school with, yep. I can I could message him now, and he messaged me back in a couple minutes, right? right. Like I, I could do that. That was be unthinkable. Mm -hmm. Like even like 10, 10 15 years ago when we knew each other, and he was in my home, right? Now I I can do that in an instant. Hmm. It's changed that dramatically in in that small period of time. And uh, are so you're saying, hey, I'm using it to connect with people in general. Yeah. Are uh, emerging generations, those who would be in junior high, high school right now that are, are more plugged in than any previous generation, would they say the same thing, that they're using the, the those platforms for just connecting with people or there's different generations have different reasons for, for using their stuff? Yeah, I think I think in, in, in the end, probably they would say that. I think the difference would be I would use it to augment my uh, personal connections Right or to enhance them, so I use social media to enhance my my real life connections. Where I think uh, for for younger people, it's kind of reverse now, where real life connections enhances a bit of 
social media connections, or at least that's that the needles okay. moved on that uh, a little bit. I, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I think that that dynamic definitely does exist. That that uh, the, lots of lots more engagement and a, a higher view of engagement um, online is just a part of life now. And I, I'm not that's not a value statement, but I think that is a a true statement to, um, for young people today. So so to paraphrase that, uh, when you know there's all kinds of different ways people talk about this, but uh, you would say that for an increasing amount of people, their life with other people exists primarily through the use of these platforms, and, yeah. and it's sub, sure. it's enhanced by the actual live, or, or is uh, that is that taking it too far? It might take it too far. Like I, I just think it's, it has a higher degree of, of of relevance than probably you and I in our generation would give it. I think for them that it, that we we look at that with great skepticism. I think yeah. somebody who is more and because we're immigrants in a digital culture, those people mm. who are like that's their like home and native land, like that's the <laughs> world that they've grown up in. Yeah, um, look at that with a with a lot more. Um, sense of, of it being real and authentic and true uh, in terms of like that I, I can connect online and, and that's a fair way to connect with that's somebody. That's just as good as having a conversation face-to-face. Yeah, where, where people in our generation or older have a, tip, a tendency to say, oh, like that's kind of, there's uh, it's almost fake. a fake or, or at least a, a sense of skepticism about it, right? Where I don't think that's held by um, a younger generation for the most part. Mm. I'm, I may be venturing into an uh, area that you, you're not an expert on, but do you know uh, the amount of time that uh, different generations are engaging on things. Do you, you kind of know uh, how much extra, let's say, younger generations are using this beyond this? Like or, screen time? Yeah, yeah and, and how much time we are spending as we move forward here, again, now in the 2020s. Yeah, I don't have recent stats in front of me. Could, to be fair, they change probably monthly. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, uh, in, it just keeps increasing and increasing. Okay. Um, just as more and more... Uh, content and uh, ability to, to do different parts of life exists online. Like just the amount that we do online um, and use a screen for is growing exponentially. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, it's easy, uh, again, as some as people who are in their midlife to immediately go to, you know, what are, what are the dangers? Why is this sure. bad? So let's sure. let's try to stay away from that for a while here, and let's start on on the but good stuff. I, I would just say maybe really quick on that. Sure. So those people who would have that initial view, I would uh, when I teach on this, I always remind people, and actually will read ancient writings on this. But people ancient have, writings on social media. No, ancient writings on technology. So there, okay. you can you, like uh, I will read uh, um, kind of uh, ancient critiques on the book. And and, and the, how and when the book was arriving when the book as was a arriving of, into technology, culture. yeah, and in a form of technology, and people thought that was going to destroy. People were going to become stupid. They would stop memorizing things. People were not interact with other people. Mm. Um, in oral cultures before, like the written word was uh, freely available to all. People would interpret things through oral stories, and there was a personal connection. And the book was going to make everyone not connect with anybody else. <laughs> and yet, none of us today would argue that we should live without books, right? Um, we would all say we all like books are a good thing to society. We figured out how to use them, and and I would argue we're going to do the same with social media. Um, I give uh, humanity enough credit to, to to recognize. Yeah, we'll stumble along the way, and we'll uh, we'll have some bruised knees as we learn how to walk and eventually run. But we'll figure out how to do this over time. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's good. Maybe I, a more of a hopeful perspective yeah. on that. Well, uh, it was. It was uh, paradigm shifting to me 
thinking even how how Christians today think about um, strengthening and enhancing their faith. What are the key disciplines? And if you were you were to talk to many evangelical Christians today and say, if you're going to grow in your faith and you're going to know God more, what are some of the key practices? They would for sure say praying. But if one, number one, if not number two, would be reading your Bible. Yeah. But actually for the majority yeah. of Christian history, most Christians were not literate and yeah. most Christians did not have access to the written word. And so did those people, uh, were they unable to grow in their faith? Were they yeah. not mature Christians without the technology of the written word and the technology of books or scrolls in front of them? Somehow I would have to believe that there were mature believing Christians who, who didn't have access to that technology. Yeah. Well, yeah, because like for for generations, like we're not just talking like the majority of history, like this is the reality of how people yeah. would have uh, how, would have grown up, like grown in as a as a follower of of Jesus, or even before that as a as a, as a faithful Jew. Like there, that would have been you have an oral story you'd yeah. memorize and and you would know the stories and you look at stained glass at least ancient in ancient Christian culture and that's how you would learn the stories of, of uh, scripture, of scripture mm-hmm. was through stained glass, mm-hmm. um, which would have been a new technology at its time, right. and probably people were like, oh, look, those, that stained glass, like that's going to stop people from actually telling the stories. They're just going to look at them if now. If only they would just listen to their dad tell the story instead of come here and look at the stained glass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's just our always our, our nature of being skeptical about, about technology. About something new. Yeah, and about something new. Okay. Yeah. So then let's, let's stay on that uh, hopeful note. What is what is some of the good? Uh, how is how has our life improved in the 21st century? Uh, and you know, I know your your specific um, expertise comes mm-hmm. particularly to Christians, but mm-hmm. it's, feel free to speak more generally. Yeah, sure. How is our life getting better? How is our how are our relations improving as the uh, because of this technology? Yeah. So I I always articulate. Um, the, the way to look at this without a uh, a kind of a, in a more objective way is to see social media is just a, a means to to grant to everyone who uses it power right okay. and you can use power to access good things or bad things and uh, the, the 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 technical definition of technology is anything that extends our reach and social media extends our reach it gives us power the ability to reach for things we can choose to do reach for good or bad things um, and and social media is no different right so social media allows me to do good or bad things and and to be fair social media has allowed us in in culture to experience some really cool dynamics that we've never experienced before right clay shirky says um, um, that one of the, the beauties of technology, particularly evidence in the Arab Springs that we saw, you know, um, now like uh, almost a decade ago. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but was that it gives people the ability to organize without organizations, right? You can organize a group of people without an organization to actually mm-hmm. do so. It, it provides the ability. It's what that allowed to do in, in the Arab Springs, and Twitter was a big part of that. So to, some students that are passionate about democracy or greater freedoms, they don't necessarily need to start now a formal organization. They are able to, just by reaching out on a platform, bring people together. Absolutely. Mm. And of course, for good or bad purposes, of course, but it it gives the ability to do that, that before wasn't, uh, that we weren't able. Now you can articulate the, whether that's led to long-term systemic change or not, but, but the ability to do that, um, 
exists now and it didn't exist in the same way before. Mm -hmm. It's one of the gifts that give, it, it's given us. Additionally, it's given people the ability to uh, connect with people in a, in a profound way. You can, you can hear uh, a plethora of stories online of, of groups of people who have gathered uh, in kind of like a, in a tribe of people who are like them, um, who have the same interests that they have, that, that doesn't have the same um, geographical borders or even language barriers with translation technology and connect with other people to find support and help mm -hmm. and uh, a sense of community that before didn't exist. Now, there's a potential negative side with kind of the tribalism nature that it also can give, sure. but for sure in the ability to connect uh, like never before. I like even medically, uh, yeah. I, I, uh, my child has this weird thing. I can connect with a thousand other people who are going through similar things, which I can never do that before. Yeah, and then and, the, and there's, all, you know, there's whole kind of research studies on this. And by doing that, you actually can find treatment options for your kids um, that you would have never known before. And your doctor can make those connections um, because of those connections you are making uh, like never before. The ability to collaborate has mm. exploded exponentially, mm. right? In the same way that, that that social media and information technology has allowed us to, to uh, kind of crowdsource together, we can do things we've never been able to do before, right? We can raise money for things by everyone giving a micro donation added to a, a macro cause right. and do something of profound nature, collecting and connecting five bucks at a time. Yeah, mm -hmm. kind mm -hmm. of the the crowdsource, and we can we can fund whole industries that way, and we can solve world problems that way. Mm -hmm. um, that would not have been possible in the same way before. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So there is tons of benefit to social media, information, technology by connecting us. And again, your basic view is it's giving people more power. That yep. that is what that is what the bottom line. It's extending line. people's reach to use the uh, official or or uh, technical definition of technology. It's extending people's reach. We can reach for good or bad things, um, and and over time we'll figure out how to how to reach uh, better a society for sure. Okay, and and how are you seeing uh, staying on this increase of of reach uh, mm -hmm. and power for good? In uh, in in the church today, uh, for Christian people, how are you? Do you see some examples of that? Where, where are you the proudest or the most excited to be seeing the power being used for good? Is there any particular things that you see happening today that, as an example of good? Hmm. Uh, yeah, in in the local church, I, I think the ability for uh, the average person um, to connect with the the global mission of God in a way that they would have never been able to do before, hmm. like the ability to connect with an international worker or or connect with a people group, or to have a, even a personal connection with with somebody across the world mm -hmm. and and grow that heart of compassion that might not have been there before, where it just was a uh, like a map that was in a in a church foyer that was made from clip art, right? That right. was kind of distant and for now there's like people that you can actually be connected to and attached to, right? The, right. I know that's been my experience. I know that's been lots of people's experience. I think that's one of the, the definite gifts it's given. I think on the flip side, the challenge of that, of course, is it's also allowed us to like just get stuck in our own little like uh, uh, um, tribal groups, whether it's a theological tribal groups, and it can divide, it can actually be one of the greatest risks to mission mm -hmm. in that we stop working together. It has a great ability to bring us together, but also the, big, uh, the biggest risk of dividing us um, as we get into our groups and don't want to talk to the person who's different than us. We just want to talk to the people who are the same right. as so us. If you want to get and, an echo chamber yeah. of someone who believes 
the exact same way you do has the same enemies that you believe that you have. Sure. And it, you can reinforce that over and it over can, again. It perpetrates that um, uh, at the same time as it, it's on the flip side, it wants to like leverage the, the, the connections that are possible around the world. So um, it's kind of like the two-handed nature of, of what social media and information technology can give, right? And Google's a great example of this actually. So Google, for example, if you do a personal search, so if Jason pulls up his computer and uh, searches for uh, best places to go on vacation, right? Um, it's gonna give you access to like uh, an unending, uh, overwhelming, a plethora sea. of options. Yeah, like <laughs> o- overwhelmingly so, to the point where you actually you want it to help you figure out uh, the the information you want. And so, what Google will do, and what it does through its algorithm, is it will search through your previous search history, your Gmail contacts, um, uh, where where you're where you where you are currently, um, and then figure out with all of those data points, and those keep increasing all the time, to get that sea of information to help you find the information you're looking for. So if you search that and I search that, we would get different results. Because it's it's customizing the responses to, to what it thinks we want. Yeah, so and it's a great example of how technology is doing both at once, right? Once, it's giving you access to unending information. Like, you would never be able to access mm-hmm. that, the millions and millions and millions of options of, of websites and, and uh, search results. At the same time, it's also trying to help you, but by doing so, putting you in your echo chamber that only is going to give you the, the things it thinks you want, or at least show mm-hmm. those first, mm-hmm. or what people honestly are paying for you to want uh, through Google AdWords. But it's going to show you those um, in, and kind of silence the others. It does that in our political views. It does that in our, uh, in our kind of our, our uh, also our kind of theological perspectives or church persuasions. Mm-hmm. And so as much as it allows us to connect with the world globally, to use a church example, it also puts us in tribal groups so that we are less likely actually to join together to serve the world. So it's kind of that two-handed approach where the ability to connect and yet it's ability for us to be kind of in our little, what what, uh, uh, what one author calls like a Google filter bubbles perspective um, at the same time. Hmm. And is, uh, would you see that as just, is that the consequence of someone, let's use Google because they're the largest player, somebody has to figure out a way to um, limit the massive amount of options or respond like there's a google yeah. potential things that you could look at here somebody needs to help you narrow it down to what you would want it, and particularly this question comes up in in the political uh debate is there an evil hand that's actually trying to keep um conservative people in the conservative bubble and sure. and is there another hand that's trying to keep the the more left leaning folks in the the left hand or is it just uh, uh, a, a side effect of the algorithms, or is there more? Is there is the man behind <laughs> there toggling the switches because it's all the motivated by by curve. money and power? Yeah, I, I I would articulate. I think to be fair to the technology, I think it can exist where you can silence people. China is a great example, right? Um, like silence whole areas of the internet, mm. uh, censor it. So I think without without. Uh, um, being too overly optimistic, 
that can happen. I think the reality in our world in North America, whether it's with with uh, Facebook or Google or other other options or, or uh, other kind of social media options, the issue with algorithms isn't so much for nefarious purposes that they're trying to do something. I think though it, it does exist on two fronts. It's because it's what we want, right? So like in Facebook, I can choose to hide kind of the annoying post and and it will learn from that. It will learn, it's artificial intelligence, will learn that Bryce doesn't want to learn or, or see uh, political ads or posts about that. Right. And so it's going to, and you, it says, would you like to see less of that? You I can choose You don't yet. want to see the People's Party of Canada. I don't want to look at their thing. Or whatever and it is. And so it'll yeah. go, okay, yeah, I'm not going to show you that anymore. Yeah. And you and chose it. I've chosen that. Mm -hmm. I think, but over time, it's going to make an assessment based on all of my data points, um, what I want to see too. So I, I might not even do that, but it's could chosen because of what I like, the things that I, 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 I do, or the uh, other posts I like, or the things that I, I'm interested in, what it's going to predict what that is, and then it will see how long I've scrolled over a particular article, what articles I've clicked on, and it's going to gain all of that data to try to give me what I want. Mm. Um, that's what uh, what the the um, so with all social media, that's the the tricky part of this is that I always have to remember that I am that not the customer, I am uh, the product. So hmm. um, they don't make money by me using the site; they make money by selling advertisement. And mm -hmm. you and me and anybody else could go on social media, create a, a page, and we could do micro targeting. Um, to target certain people who have likes that I want and connect, yeah. and, and and political groups, businesses do this all the time, mm -hmm. and so they're going to want to like uh, connect and, and kind of hack the system for the algorithm to connect with you, mm -hmm. and that's how Google and Facebook's making money. Um, so I, I, I say I think the to go back to your original question, I don't think um, that there's some sort of nefarious reason by these companies, but they're there to make money and. They are there to serve us. And because we are somewhat nefarious, we don't want to be pushed out of our filter bubbles. So it's giving us actually what the very thing we want, mm. um, which is the information that suits us and doesn't it's make us uncomfortable. I yeah. See. It's the curse of customization. Okay. So let me try to think of an example. Um, so let's... Uh, Let's suppose I'm uh, a parent and um, uh, there's an issue that my kids are facing maybe, uh, I don't even know if this is a very good example, but you know, there's a new movie coming out and I want to figure out like the different perspectives on, I, you know, there's been rumors that this is yeah. terrible or, you know, sh should, should my kids read this book? There's already, th the, the machine knows what I want to hear, but I, might it might be a value for me to actually hear a different perspective than mm -hmm. just one that's going to reinforce probably what I already think. Yeah. How, especially when it, I need to access information or people or hear a different perspective, is there a way that I can beat the system or recognize that it is all that my search or the places that I'm going to go to look it up on Facebook? are already preloaded to to reinforce my bias is there a way to to go around that or to be to be more aware that i just if i want to if i want to use my mind and and realize mm -hmm. that there's more than just what i already think yeah. is there some go arounds to that yeah I, and i think yes and no i think that the yes part of the question is the go arounds is your discipline to desire to seek a different view. 
recognizing that. Uh, so th this is all about uh, the technical word for this is cognification. So cognification is the ability for uh, kind of like a smart machine and, and, and algorithms a way that this exists in mm -hmm. social media. So the cognification of all actually smart devices in our world is all, all there do the same thing. It's to gratify your, gratify your desires before you even want it. It's what all kings and queens suffer from, right? The yes man or 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 yes woman in their in their like royal chambers that's just going to give them what they want before they even want it. Never is going to challenge them with uh, with a conversing point of view because you know they, they, they won't could, be rewarded. For they that. could be rewarded or will be like in a social media world hidden or or set aside or defriended if it makes somebody uncomfortable. And so every good king or queen um, will be willing to listen to a, a, a contrasting voice, right? Mm -hmm. That's uh, a bit of the story with with David and Nathan after after the um, being kind of challenged on his sin, right? Mm -hmm. He allows the, the the voice to challenge him as king, mm -hmm. to um, even when that's going to um, be an awkward challenging. And I think for all of us, the discipline is being willing to be challenged, to think outside of our political box, to think outside of our our religious box, to think outside of like the 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 movie thing. That if I'm going to go there, I know what I'm going to get. But maybe I need to to look at a different source mm -hmm. or a different perspective that would challenge my preconceived uh, pre uh, pre-existing ideas or opinions because I recognize that's good for me to do even if it's uncomfortable because mm -hmm. the technology doesn't want to make you uncomfortable. It wants to give you what you want because right. in the end, we none of us want to be uncomfortable. Mm. That's hard though, especially for people of uh, who, who are devout people of faith sure. who go, no, I, I really believe that my morals and my values are right. Yeah. And to challenge them into some, to, to have my view on these things challenged is actually maybe challenging God. And I don't, I don't want to be challenged. I just, I know that what I believe is right already. What would you say to someone like that? Why, why would I, if let, let's, let's pick a hot button issue, let's say, uh, about abortion and, sure. uh, how this is affecting the world. If I'm, if I'm, um, firmly, um, s confident in my pro-life views. Sure. Uh, why would I even want to listen to what someone with a pro-choice view might have to say? What it isn't sure. that going to shake my faith and shouldn't I wall myself off from someone who has a different oh, opinion there? That's such a multi-layered question. <laughs> so I, my, I would respond in a couple of different ways. One, okay. I would want to recognize that like, uh, we should never be afraid of, of, uh, of, of exploring intellectual ideas or even the opinions of others. Because if we believe that God's truth is God's truth, then it's whatever that up. is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hold up. Mm -hmm. So I got to recognize that dynamic. Second, I would say like in terms of listening to a other point of view, to the point where I actually understand the other's point of view, I'm not that I'm necessarily going to agree to it or hold it, but I have to at least hold it in my hand to actually... Um, because I, I, I want to love others, and if the other person holds that, I want to at least hold it with an open hand and say, okay, like, I want to think about this perspective from their, or this view from their perspective. Like, why do they hold it? And understand that with empathy and understanding mm -hmm. as opposed to just getting rid of it. That's actually a way to love other people, mm -hmm. um, to understand why they believe what they believe in good faith. Like, they're not evil people per se. So, like, what, like, what do they, why do they hold this, but whatever that other view is, like, why do they hold that view um, and then allow myself to then be challenged by that. Um, I think it, it, it uh, rejects humility 
to say that I'm right about everything, mm-hmm. right? That's Jesus' response with the, um, and this is talking about sin here, but the response between the, the I want to help you with a speck in your eye and somebody ignorant of the log in my eye, because actually blinds me to my own uh, problems or challenges. Mm-hmm. And, and if I want to kind of help walk with you and understand that truth of the issue, I have to recognize that I am a, a fallible human being. Like, I recognize, I view God's word as being, like, infallible, and, and, and Jesus and God as being perfect in every way. Um, but I recognize in that, by saying that, I am not. Mm-hmm. And so I have to recognize that in humility so that I can enter in with empathy to understand where you're coming from and then let truth prevail in the end. That's incredibly uncomfortable. That's uh, uncomfortable personally. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable in a relationships and uncomfortable in a conversation sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why we don't do it. And it's why social media, um, by default, um, does something else because that's what we want it to do. We don't want it we to want challenge it to us. Yeah, yeah I, no one's going on social media so that they can just look at all the posts they don't like um, or the news articles that are going to challenge their perspective. Nobody's looking at it that way. But I, I argue, and I do this in my book on my on my chapter on cognification, it's actually a discipline all Christians should have in humility to be willing to challenge themselves with the view of others that they may disagree with because it's actually how we can grow in empathy and mm. love and still pursue truth. Because yep. I need to pursue truth, and by pursuing truth, recognize I actually don't have all of it. I am not perfect. I'm going to find out I'm wrong about a bunch of things when I get to heaven. Hmm. Um, really? And, well, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it first on the real podcast. Yeah. Look out. <laughs> Look out. Jason, on the other hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can, so just on this, uh, using the concept of cognification. Sure. Can you tell us practically, how do I actually do that? Like, uh, is it just a Google search? How do, if I want to, if I go, I need to actually make sure, I need to, I need to hear outside my own echo chamber. How do, is there something I use or what is the way I practically do that if I'm not even sure Sure. how how to do it? I think you do it in the same way uh, that all uh, all good kings and queens would in their throne rooms, which is uh, being willing to be disciplined to hear at times uh, a differing voice. Mm. Um, So number one, recognize that it's giving you everything you want before you even want it. So recognize that cognification exists. Um, your Google filter bubble exists. So that's the first thing is recognize it. The second thing is then to intentionally um, make sure that you, you're you not facilitating that to your peril. So be cautious of, of who you hide and don't hide. Be willing to be challenged in your view mm. with your with the crazy uncles that has the crazy political post, right? Be, yep. be cautious that, you know, so there's times for your own benefit and maybe it's there's you vitriol. Can't, yeah. You can't do it. I totally get that. But be cautious every time you do ask the question, am I silencing a dissenting voice that I should be listening to in love and empathy? Or am I just doing it because it's being convenient to me? So ask the question. And then at, at times be willing to like uh, listen to the other point of view to truly understand where that is so that you can truly under, uh, love and understand the other. Hmm. Otherwise, you're just putting up uh, higher and higher walls around your throne room and li- living in a weird sense of isolation and uh, a, a weird sense of, of, uh, of personal um, uh, royalty that, uh, that, that ex- kind of is see yourself and your intellect too grandiose to ever be challenged right. by a different point. So of view. the way we would, again, you've used this analogy a few times, but the way we look at superstars in sport or entertainment, yeah. and we say sometimes, isn't there anybody around her or anyone around him who says like no or 
maybe you're not right and we go they're just ridiculous we actually might be doing that to ourselves in our online world totally a great perspective right so as easy as we say how in the world could they do that to themselves we do that all the time Mm -hmm. right we we do the same things we let so we let uh uh, amazon do that and it's suggestions for what what we're supposed to buy we Mm -hmm. let uh our our google do that to the search results it gives us because we would we honestly prefer that just like the superstar prefers it and surrounds himself by people who would uh, just um, gratify their desires uh, and give them what they want or tell them what they want to hear. We do the same thing with social media because it's way easier. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, fascinating, Bryce. Thank you. Um, one, of the, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is it because of my, my role uh, and calling as a parent. Um, what 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 do we need to understand uh, as parents who are raising teenagers and you're just concluding this season of of your life as your your uh, kids move into more independence but what do you what are the key uh warnings or encouragements you have for today today's parents as they help their their kids and their teenagers navigate the social media world what what are the important things that you would want to say Oh, uh, if I was narrowing it down to a few, there'd be a couple initially. One, um, see your role as a parent as being uh, whatever that is that you do. Your job is to help your kids uh, learn how to walk. So you hold their hand, like you help them to roll over, you help them to crawl, then you hold their hands, and then you sturdy them and make sure they don't hit their head on the coffee table as they begin to stumble. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, like you, you kind of walk through the progressions. Um, do the same with social media and technology with your kids. You want your kids when they're adults to be able to handle all of this, uh, this new world in a healthy way. Um, so I, I always articulate, uh, moving towards uh, a full embrace of all of that power by the time they're they're uh, an adult and you're so not you going to want to toss it into you don't want to toss that into their hands when they're young we want to slowly mm-hmm. walk with them hold their hands etc as they go but you want to do that strategically um, I, when I have parents that tell me like but I I don't I don't get social media I don't know social media my, my response and this is a, a, a glibly and sometimes and it's it's designed to be provocative but I'll say too bad it's your job mm-hmm. right that's part of the deal is parent. I, I get this isn't your world, but it's going to be your kid's world. Mm-hmm. And your job as a parent is to help your kids thrive to the maximum of their capacity in their life. We all get that. And one of the ways is with technology. And so it's your job to kind of know what your kids are doing online. It's your job to to help them to to navigate that. It's your job to help uh, uh, kind of put the all of like you would do in your house. Like every good parent puts all the little like um, uh, kind of protective boundaries and the, the safety locks. I remember doing that, spending hours with a screwdriver, putting mm-hmm. all these. You do that because that's your job. You want to do, and you, and you need to do the same with social media and technology to help your kids mm-hmm. uh, be successful. So I think that's that's the first thing is recognize that that is actually your role as a parent. Okay. Uh, so before you move on to the other tips, um, does that mean uh, like monitoring software or just kind of? Uh, figuring out, you know, when you're 14, we we are going to help you establish your Instagram profile, and uh-huh. then we're going to check in every week about what you've been doing. Or, or is, so is it monitoring? Is it helping them walking through how to use these things? Is it 
uh, is there any pr- specific ways that you would say, what, what, what is the way that we pr- help them grow yes. into it? So I would say yes, 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 and yes. Okay. So uh, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a, mul- it's like a, this is a massive, this is a massive like camp, like war campaign. So there's like massive, all, all these different fronts as yeah. a parent you got to tackle. So I get it's complicated, but I, I do think there's one is, uh, and, and it kind of starts simple and moves up. One, I think you have to be careful of when you give technology to kids. Mm. How you, where you allow them to use the technology, right? Giving a a, a your, your your child in elementary school a smartphone without restrictions in their bedroom at night, I would say that's probably not a wise decision. Yeah. Most parents actually would would agree with that. Some some parents are just clueless, um, but like that's not a wise decision because now they can access anything all the time, and people can actually access them. And so it's a it's a matter of I think recognizing there's and uh, in, in giving increasing space and privacy with with technology, give increasing use of technology. Um, you know when to give your kids Snapchat, when not to give your kids Snapchat, mm-hmm. um, when to give unfiltered access to the internet, when to keep that filter really, uh, really small. So in our family, um, we were very cautious uh, about where you had your devices that they were only able to use in, in, in uh, um, public space mm. um, until they were old enough that there was a place to have your laptop in your bedroom, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we use uh, uh, um, some filtering software uh, that exists on a, this is technical terms, but it, it, it like open DNS, which is like a DNS server like the telephone book of the internet. So it won't allow you and our Wi-Fi network to access adult uh, mm-hmm. sites, for example. Mm-hmm. It just stops anyone from our, our, our Wi-Fi network going there. And then we use, uh, um, our families use this for years now, but Disney Circle, Circle mm-hmm. by Disney. Um, Shaw has a version of that called Blue Curve. Yep. Um, Di- Circle by Disney has that, but it, it expands it to a mobile device and mm-hmm. locks the mobile device down, even when it's not on your Wi-Fi network and can can limit how long you're on the internet, mm-hmm. where you're going on the internet, and, and do it for different ages. And then we move that up. The rule in our house is that we all are at a teen level. So I'm at the same level. It's not stop me kids. from yeah, yeah, it's not stop me from going where I need to go. Mm-hmm. And our rule with our kids, um, and so for all parents using this, you should be using some sort of filtering software at home or with your kids' devices. And there's lots of options that exist out there. But I tell I, I tell my teenage kids, I will use whatever you use. And if there's something you need to go to that it's not letting you go to, tell me and, and we'll fix you. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we'll fix that. Um um, cause like, I, I'm not stop, want to stop you from doing the things you know you should do. Um, but I, I think that's just a healthy way to protect safe barriers and boundaries for your kids and, and, uh, then le- moving them increasingly until they hit adulthood. I think finally the main thing on my end, um, I say this all the time, a, a one-sided conversation is better than a no-sided conversation. Mm. Um, so, but have conversations with your kids, like talk to your kids about it. Um, even if they don't want to have it, regularly ask them how they're doing. If the if you notice something um, that they're doing online, or or because uh, um, I when your kids are young, you should have your kids' passwords for social media sites. Follow your kids on social media. Use social media because your kids do. It's part of your job mm-hmm. as a parent. Engage with them, and if you see something that concerns you, yep. ask ask questions and uh, and and not be willing or or be willing to have the awkward conversation with your kid, even if it's just one sided. It's better than the no-sided conversation okay. that most parents just resign themselves to. Okay. So that was the specific of like helping them grow into it. Uh, what are some of the other things that you're saying to parents on on helping their kids navigate? 
Um, like I, I think learning all the skills that we want them to learn as parents. So uh, like I, I oftentimes walk through the nature of helping your kids figure out how to use, uh, how, to, how to discern what news is, okay. right? Um, like these things that we, we're actually just as adults trying to figure out, yeah. but recognizing them that they can fall for fake news, helping your kids uh, navigate being bullied. And then recognizing that just as kids are bullied, there's then there's lots of actual bullies, and that your kid is they're not a bu- if they're not being bullied, helping your kids to make sure they're not using cyber cyber mm. bullying because it's actually way more prominent than most parents think. Mm. They think your kids are the popular kids; they're not being bullied. Well, they actually could be the bullies mm. in ways they may not be aware of it. So, um, having conversations with your kids and uh, monitoring your kids around the bullying thing and helping them in that because it's tough. Um, like I said, the the Facebook thing, helping kids navigate um, how to like discern what is what is true and not true, not just on fake news, but in in the on the internet in general, um, because people just believe a a meme uh, or a uh, or a website or a blog as being medical or or uh, some sort of like truth telling thing, and in the end of the day, it's actually not. Right, it's, um, it's, it's just, motivated by yeah, somebody else. It's yeah. bunk things trying to sell something or whatever, um, and they can think that that's real. So that's actually a skill that they can learn, and as a parent, you can help them learn. Um, those are just would be some examples of things. I, I think too, like uh, one of the things for for parents. Um, uh, that, that parents just sometimes want to put their head in their sand about. And I, I do a whole chapter of this in my book. But the nature of the Internet uh, in general is that it gives us access to all kinds of, of images and video um, that are, uh, that's actually the fastest, still the fastest growing part of the Internet. And so for what pornography, and the mm-hmm. stats are shocking. Um, kids, uh, I forget the stats now, but it's it's like young as like early elementary where kids are exposed to hardcore pornography, not softcore mm-hmm. pornography, mm-hmm. hardcore pornography. And social media is actually one of the biggest drivers of that. Mm. Um, and, and parents it, are I think ignorant seeing, of that. Uh, one of the exposés that we, we ran as a church a few years ago, it's only probably one or two clicks, so it starts on something that may be seem innocuous or only mildly provocative, mm-hmm. but within one or two clicks of that, you're into hardcore pornography, and it's yeah. through the social media that, that the the gateway is to, to that, although it might not seem that way on the surface. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually a fairly common. Mm-hmm. It's a very com- common tactic of all, like like social media is used by tons of organizations. Right. To, and, 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 you know, the porn industry is usually the first one up to the plate on every form of technology. So um, th- they've mastered this. And uh, as, a, as, a, as a parent of a, of a teen or a, or a child, um, helping them navigate that world is one of the biggest gifts that you can give them. Mm. Um, and having those conversations with them and, and using some monitoring science, but recognizing that even even like uh, filtering software or monitoring software um, has limited capacity. There's ways around everything. Not everything is 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so not having having conversations with your kids regularly about that is key. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In fact, our society as a whole is recognizing this is actually a major problem that society is trying to, as a whole, is realizing has to be fixed. Because um, nobody wants their kids exposed to that. Right. Right. Nobody wants their kids exposed mm. to that. And they are. And so society's all trying to figure out, well, how do we stop that uh, that epidemic that's happening with, mm. with kids? Mm. Take us back just for a second to the bullying thing. And how might my kids be be a cyber bully? Like, um, 
how, how does that actually happen? Is it like they're making fun of people? Uh, or like, can you give me an example of, of how it works for someone who kind of goes, ah, it sounds so foreign and yeah. it's such a byword, but how, how does it actually happen? That's a good question. I'm not an expert on this, but I, like, I think it, what I would say, though, is similar to how regular bullying works. And, and why it's like why we all actually sometimes can practice that. It's the subtle joke that you laugh at. It's the little sarcastic comment you do. The difference now is it's amplified by social media. Right. So it's the it's the the thing that's that it maybe would be a comment in a hallway that's now amplified on social media mm. and, and liked and shared by friends. Um, now the the challenge is is that you have like a whole there's a, the dimensions of this exist exponentially and the room that it happens is is it just like a bathroom and it's isolated there no, just for three or four people yeah. that are there now it's open to everyone right. all around you and the participation can just be like participation and ha gossip ha. Yeah. yeah ha ha like the passive i'll listen and people don't realize when you listen to gossip you are participating in gossip. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that you're listening to it makes you an equal per perpetrator as the person who's saying mm -hmm. it. And the same with bullying. The, and it's just way easier for kids in our environment today just mm -hmm. to act like maybe passively participate um, if they're not actively participate. But that, because of social media, the more people who do that, that actually like amplifies the voice. Um, online. Mm. So it's part of why that makes that so complicated and part of why we recognize that teaching all of our kids to have greater empathy with, with their, uh, with their kind of fellow classmates. And, and consider how listening or even a mild comment, if they're not the perpetrator is actually, um, adding to it exponentially as, as it can online. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I know that you're not a futurist, so, uh, uh, and, and that you don't pr purport to be an expert here, but uh, as you look ahead, we're in a new decade now. Um, social media-wise, what lies ahead? Is it just more of the same as, as people are looking at to how this will continue to evolve and how we interact with friends and, and look at the social world? Is there any... Is there anything on the horizon that seems imminent that you would say, well, I don't know for sure, but this seems pretty yeah. likely? I think the biggest change that we will see in the future when it comes to social media is its intersection with other forms of rising technology. So um, technology will exist, wh whether it exists in the main players it does now 10 years ago. It might be a new, like maybe Facebook is really not that prominent, but there's something else we don't even know about yet. Yeah, yeah. like that, well, that's, that's the real. I think Facebook has the capacity to, to grow and change with the times, and it's pretty universal in terms of its international reach. But, but, uh, but and Facebook's are exploring this. So you'll see, you'll see companies like Facebook who will uh, begin to buy up other forms of technology. So you're going to see the co combination of social media, um, uh, media services, and distribution. So whether that's like the Netflix, Disney+, Plus, uh, Hulu, all of those things that all use actually very similar algorithms and have similar impact um, to, to kind of like connect with us and to and cognification and stuff. And with like automated, uh, like, uh, automated vehicles and driving, um, mobile technology, the increasing use of GPS uh, all around us, all forming to kind of like interconnect us and all of the devices we use in increasing ways, mm -hmm. um, and all of the the all of the possibilities of interconnectedness will grow, 
is it all as well as all the challenges of social media mm. will grow exponentially mm. too. Um, that's that's the future because now all the challenges that we have uh, online will exist when you're in a vehicle driving with an automated driver. Because one of the futures of that is that you're going to drive in a vehicle and it's going to know that you are by like, the store. You're you're by the store, and that store that store is going to pay because they know you are by the store, and they know the last time that you were there, you bought uh, you know a dozen eggs, orange juice, and that Snickers bar you love or whatever right. that is, right? Not me and, and the Snickers. No, not you and the Snickers. Okay, <laughs> so it's not going to give you the Snickers bar, but it's going to give you customized coupons to in- give you incentive to, get to in stop there. by the store, and it will pay um, potentially uh, the the vehicle company or whatever Uber or whatever you're using for your automated driving thing, um, from where you are to where you're going, as actually happens a bit with Google Maps, um, a, a particular fee to give you a suggested roadway or take you by that store. Okay, so my route could be suggested by the stores that are on yes. the way. Huh. Yeah. Wow. And, it, and, and that could be a, a way that that's a data point that's being sold and a way to like alter your route to A to point B um, to uh, to sell you something as Amazon does with all of its products um, will happen as well with automated vehicles. Huh. And is that uh, thinking particular on mobile stuff? Is the the coupons and stuff coming on my phone, or it it could be showing up in my vehicle in different ways? Oh, sure, as It'll, it, like as show up on your vehicle, all integrated, right? Because right. we're not far away that, and you've already begun seeing this with Apple AirPlay. Is this a, an initial? A glimpse, a glimmer of this technology, but we're not that far away from like everything existing on a screen, and you just swap screens where you go. Yeah. It's the same like interface connections, but my my phone is on me, but when I'm on my vehicle, it's the tablet in my vehicle, and then when I'm in my office, mm-hmm. it's my mm-hmm. office computer or whatever the case is. It's it's just you're just screen swapping wherever you go, right? Because okay. I I can play all of my all of my stuff on Netflix on my phone, and now with a push of push of a button, it goes on my bedroom TV. Right, it's just right. I'm just screen swapping. Right, yeah. Right, that's the future of of uh, a bit of technology for that. Okay, okay. Uh, Bryce, we're probably running out of time, but to, to this very important sh- uh, question about the the future is here now. Uh, what is TikTok? <laughs> I'm probably the worst person to ask about this. I I uh, I've I know a little bit about TikTok. I've seen TikTok videos um, and and connecting like music and and. Uh, and the ability to connect with artist music through video and stuff. But I don't know enough of it, honestly, to give you oh, a, okay. a, a very good answer. All right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. It's uh, homework for uh, the yeah. real audience out there to figure well, it out themselves. To honestly, keeping up on all of this, it's, it is uh, it would it would take me a full-time job just to kind of keep up. Stay on top of what's there. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Um, maybe last question then here. Uh, if if you were, if there was a, a person, maybe a parent or a student who w- says, man, I need, I need some more resources. I need yeah. to go um, to, to learn a little bit more, whether it's safeguards or how this might be affecting me or the, or the cognitive piece that you were talking about. Uh, where, where would you steer the, as some helpful resources to help them uh, know and guide and, and navigate the, the world around us here. So uh, particularly for, for parents who are interested in this, uh, there's a couple of things. Uh, if you're, if you're uh, from a practical end, 
uh, going to a place like OpenDNS.com will give you some abilities to like help with your your DNS server and how to like lock your house down in terms of like the internet and your Wi-Fi, uh, and then you do, that's free. Um, there's like uh, the Disney Plus stuff, which or not Disney Plus, uh, Circle the by Circle. Disney, mm -hmm. um, which you can look at if you're looking for a book, particularly on the subject, a very good book um, called The TechWise Family. Hmm. Um, uh, Andy Crouch, uh, I forgot his last, say his last name. Yeah, well, I say Crouch, but Crouch, yeah. Yep. yep. But his book, TechWise Family, is very good. And it gives mm. uh, lots of practical. So if you're looking for practical things of how to help your kids and set up, like, good boundaries for your kids around social media and see some recent stats from the Barna Research Group, he has lots of that. Mm. Um, it's a simple book, um, but it's very effective and very good. I suggest it to parents all the time, particularly on that topic. Okay. Okay. Uh, and if people want to know a little bit about uh, you, where do we steer them to uh, to see what you're doing or writing these days? Yeah, so it's easy to find me pretty much everywhere uh, with my <laughs> name, uh, BryceAshlemeo.com for my website, uh, Facebook slash BryceAshlemeo, uh, Twitter slash BryceAshlemeo. My handles, no one out. There's not a whole lot of Bryce Ashlemeos out there, okay. so I'm easy to find. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Bryce, thanks for for joining me today. I know at least. Uh, from my own standpoint, it's been informative and, and interesting and uh, reminds me again of, of my responsibility as a dad to be paying attention and, and as, a, as a Christian and as a leader. And uh, thanks for all the work you've done uh, investigating these things so that we get to get a little bit of the fruit of your study and passion. So mm -hmm. thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for this opportunity and for you and for all parents who are listening. The job is hard. And the job is just getting harder. But thanks for your your courage and your willingness to step up and care for your kids. Because as challenging as our world is, it also opens up a huge amount of potential mm. um, for our kids who are following Jesus to extend their reach in ways that they've never been able to do before. Mm. And so the, 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 the better we're equipping our kids, the more impact they can have for God's kingdom. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Real Podcast. For more information on this episode and others, check out our website at cochranalliance.com backslash real. Until next time, keep it real.